G'day, welcome to Radio Notes. Our feature guest, Laura Imbruglia. We'll hear from them in just a moment, recorded back in June of 2018. But first, let's dive... In the box. Atlantic has sent in a new release from Major Laser featuring Skip Marley. It's called Can't Take It From Me, from their forthcoming fourth album. From EMI, Australia's Missy Higgins brand new ones called Song for Sammy. As she says in her own words with a lead up to Mother's Day, it's a ukulele song I wrote for my boy Sammy a little while ago when he was a wee baby. Brand new one from Lee Kernigan, who is a 37-time gold guitar winner called Backroad Nation, out through Universal Music. Check us out, something that you can check out from The Clouds, a brand new single from them. Yeah, another single has been released from the sophomore album out on July the 5th called Flamingo from Olympia. The new cut is called Hounds. Time now for our feature guest. Laura Imbrilia has called their latest and fourth album, Scared of You. This follow-up to their 2013 released What a Treat has four singles, Trips, Diptych, Carry You Around and The Creeps on it. And Imbrilia also recently sat on the big red couch for Rage. TV is not an unusual place for them, as Laura is also the brainchild behind Amateur Hour, a variety show filmed for TV and available as a web series that includes Australian bands, skits and artists, which is filmed in iconic bars and rehearsal spaces. Back before Scared of You's release, the singer-songwriter-performer in Melbourne sat outside a venue they were just about to DJ at to speak with Radio Notes. Laura, welcome to Radio Notes. Thanks for having me. We're going to have a chat. The impetus, I guess, of the podcast is for musicians to talk about life and those in life to talk about music. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense of family as you were growing up? Did I? Yeah, I did. I don't see my family much anymore because we're all spread around the country and the world. We had a lot of beautiful dinners together and my dad's Italian, so when I think of like communal family stuff fond and exciting memories from both sides of the family mum's family is from like country new south wales so every time we went to granny's house there'd be just like a baked dinner every single night and porridge every morning and i've got really vivid memories from both grandparents meals did that give a a sense of your um, engagement not necessarily in the kitchen but in terms of preparing meals for others i reckon sometimes that stuff plays into your subconscious and affects the way that you treat people as a host or something Mm. it's not something I think about really it's something I notice when I go to other people's family houses or if I live with someone else and they're a terrible host I'm like oh wow that's really weird to me and then I do you jump in you don't really notice it I guess unless you're like with a partner and and their friends come to visit and you compare how they do things versus how you do things I'm mainly talking from like years ago, but it is diff- it's interesting to or if you go to like someone's house for Christmas that's not your own and you see how everything works there and it's different and yeah, I notice things like that and I'm getting better at thinking about like why why it is that I feel that way instead of just being like that's sh- or that's weird. I'm like why do I think that? Oh, cuz I was raised this certain way and that's all I've known. How long did it take for you to get in touch with the emotions and actually thinking them through for you? Probably way too long. (laughs) 
yeah I think I'm very self centered a lot of the time and I I don't um or I just don't think things through like why this equals this I'm just kind of like this is how I feel and this is the way it is I'm trying to get better at breaking things down and that's another good thing about songwriting is it makes you do that kind of thinking because you're kind of indulging analysis of situations which I don't normally give myself the time to is there are there songs that will no longer be in the repertoire that will never never see the light of day again in your own collection because I didn't do the same analysis at the time possibly not and now thinking completely differently that you don't feel as comfortable with their narrative I think whenever whenever you're doing songwriting you that is the only time I give myself to do that kind of thinking I don't do meditating or any of that kind of um just brain time no the only reason I stop playing songs is if I just am now embarrassed of the lyrics or just think I've got better songs to write you took a little bit of a hiatus in terms of playing music Mm. firstly was it a conscious decision and secondly how did it feel not playing music to then get back into it yes it was a conscious decision I really I always aim high and expect to get back what I put in or more than I put in when I put in a lot I don't really do things in half measures Mm -hmm. and yeah playing music as a solo artist with a backing band is really expensive because you're paying for everything it's not like you split costs with a band it's just really financially draining and if you drain all your finances and then you turn up to a show and no one's there it's disheartening or like if you release an album and no one writes about it or you just don't feel like it's been given enough attention for how much time and heart went into it I'd done that three times and I needed to step away and not feel bitter or jaded so that's why I started doing the tv show to give myself a different creative project that I didn't have any I couldn't have any expectations for because I had no idea what I was doing so there was a strong chance I was going to fail just because I wasn't equipped. Can you talk me through that putting the heart on the line to then go through what you've just explained? I think you'd, any musician or any creative just wants people to... You're not just doing it for yourself. I don't think so anyway. I think... Well, I can't speak for other people, but I n- need a response. That's part of the the reason I do it is I want... Um, I want people to like it people outside my friends and family who are biased I think you take it personally if there's not a strong response or if there's a negative response you take it you take it personally and think that you're terrible instead of thinking people don't get it how do you deal with that? well you take five years off You, you just get older and wiser as well like I used to care when I was a lot younger really care about Triple J because you need Triple J support. This is the national youth broadcaster in Australia? Yes. So not relevant to me anymore. But when I was younger, that's what everyone's aiming for is to be on high rotation on Triple J, at at which point you become an artist that can live off music in Australia. Like if you're at that level of success, not just like one song high rotation, but if they get behind you, then you have... A fan base everywhere because they're in every nook and cranny of Australia like kids are listening to them I mean you're playing 
decent shows and you're selling records. But if you're not, if you don't have that support, then it's just so much harder. But luckily, we're lucky we have community radio. Can we touch on the gender equity? Mm-hmm. Because the Amateur Hour did a fantastic collaboration with Jen Clore and a number of other musicians. We're recording this at the end of June 2018. How are you feeling about equality in the Australian music scene at this stage? I just actually participated in a study about this just this week. It's a massive problem and I didn't actually realise it was or believe that it was. I remember when I was doing promo for my last album five years ago, someone asked me about it because there had been a furor at the time because the Hottest 100 didn't have large female account and the girl interviewing me asked me about it and I was like if you harp on about that stuff you just make an us versus them mentality it's not productive it's just a ratio thing there's less women making music so there's going to be less women on the Hottest 100 that was my ignorant view at the time or naive view and now that I work in the music industry like outside of being a musician I work for Music Victoria which is the peak body for music in Victoria an advocacy body part of what we do is like we have a diversity policy a gender diversity policy we need to make sure that our anyone performing at any event we put on or any panel we put on they have to adhere to a 40-40-20 split and so does our board so that means no less than 40% women, 40% men, and with 20% left unallocated. So it can go to either gender or gender non-conforming. And once you start tallying the numbers, and, and we do things like count the, the numbers of nominees for the awards, you just start realising how few women are being represented and being put forward the reason that there's less women playing music is because they're not visible Mm. and it's probably that much harder for people to imagine themselves in that space when they're such a minority like it's a scarier prospect when there's less women in music and in positions of power in music as well not just on, on stages but in the music industry like when you look at the power 50 that they put together every year it's just mainly white dudes it's not because women are less clever or less powerful or less important in the cogs but they're the guys rise to the top and get given the opportunities and there's also a massive pay gap issue as well so that's my answer to that one you mentioned a report though was there other factors in that report that that came to mind it's not a report it's a study being put together by an academic she's asking a bunch of people the same four questions she's going to let me know when it's assembled It'll be interesting to see. It's definitely a thing that I've become really, really aware of and you can't unsee it. This is in some of the lyrics of the new album as well. I never, have never in the past written about political things or like, well, it's personal though, but I don't normally write about things other than matters of the heart. And yeah, I've just become a total bleeding heart feminist in the last year or so. And yeah, you can't unsee it. Once you see the male dominance across everything, it's just really hurtful. Laura, you say that it's in the album in in some part. Mm. How now that you have seen it, so in the last year or so, how can music, through the lyrics that you're now putting in, provide change? Well, 
I don't know if it, I don't know if it will, but it's just something I need to get off my chest, which is the same as anything else that I would write about. It's like if something's on my mind and it's bothering me, I usually work it through in song. I, I made a point with one of the songs to really like try and put it in a way that it makes hopefully makes the listener think and is not um, necessarily on the attack because I think going on the attack isn't an effective way to have that discussion. We had some pretty healthy debates between me and the producer Nick. They could have been taken as light-hearted lyrics in this particular song and they were always placeholders. It was down to the wire. I was like writing the lyrics in the studio just trying to and I'd sing them to him and he's like, oh, I don't know, I really miss that, that line you had before. I had to really fight for it because he, he thought that I was overthinking it and maybe impacting the song negatively. So we agreed to sleep on it and, and I would write all night and address it the next day. And I came in and I was like, the fact is I don't want to make, it's not a joke what I'm singing about mm. and I don't want to sing those lyrics. So this is what I want to sing. Uh, this is what I've worked on all night and I'm happy with them so I hope you like them as well and he completely turned around on it and yeah now I'm really happy with the song the song is called Give Boys Pink Toys that's just the, the chorus it's not like a whole song about giving pink toys to boys it's just like just don't discourage boys from being sensitive or don't teach them that everything female is lesser and yuck Every year you put on a country show, isn't it? Yes, it's a it's a it's a country drag show where guys dress as country women and women dress as country men, and everyone performing is encouraged to do so, and the audience as well. And guys sing songs made famous by country women, and vice versa. And then we donate the money to a different charity each year. And it's fun. It's fun to to choose songs that have really masculine lyrics and flip them and vice versa. What's been one of the faves that you've had a chance, you yourself, Laura, to perform on stage? So what male song have you been able to belt out during these sessions um, that you've enjoyed? I really like Glenn Campbell songs, but they're not particularly masculine. They're just Galveston. Actually, he's got a song called Country Boy, which is like disco country, and it's really good. That was fun. I try and do an Aboriginal country song each year and because I really love Aboriginal country music, and it, a lot of people don't know about it. More people know about it than they did when I first got into it because the Buried Country is a book and record series that this guy Clinton Walker has made over the last few years where he documents Aboriginal country music but there's been a bit of a um, a backlash against him because he recently did one that focused just on the women of Aboriginal country music but he didn't interview them or like clear their stories whereas with the Buried Country books he went out and interviewed spent years talking with these men with the women he just like did brief synopsises based on what he thought he knew about them and didn't yeah so I love Aboriginal country music I don't know heaps about it but if you want to learn about it the Buried Country series is a good place to start and there's also a DVD that you can get from the National Archives that will teach you all about it
What is the kernel of the new album from Laura Ambrulia? What's the main theme that's coming through on this this new record? I think this one, there's a lot of like restlessness. It covers discomfort in various forms. It's going to be called Scared of You. There's a lot of themes covered throughout the album, but that can be applied, that Scared of You theme can be applied to various different things in the context of the songs. You mentioned the word discomfort. Is that an age thing, a time of your life thing, or is there some more external, internal factors to that? I reckon it's a bit of both. It's it's definitely an age thing. I'm 35, I'm getting to the age where I'm wondering, should I be having kids? Should I have set up a career a bit earlier and not spent so much time and energy and money on music and uh, creative pursuits? Yeah, so there's a bit of that. When did music enter the life of Laura? Music, uh, oh, since I can remember, earliest memories, driving around, listening to The Carpenters with my family, watching the musical Annie, backyard kind of concerts with my sisters, singing Whitney Houston songs, stuff like that. Did you get a sense at a very young age that music would be a pursuit or was it just a recreation? I think I always wanted to entertain. So whether it was music or comedy or some kind of performing where you get a response, an immediate response. Where was the point that you decided that music would be the thing? When I finished high school, I moved to Sydney and I got an acting agent because I had done really well at acting in high school and I had done really average in music. So they were my two electives. I was just playing guitar and writing songs for fun, but I truly thought that I had a career as an actor or a comedian and that was what was in my future. I got an acting agent and they were just sending me to like orange juice commercials and well, I thought at the time that I can't, I need an audience. I can't actually act for a camera because you don't get a response and you don't know, you have no sense of whether you're doing a good job or it's hitting the mark and at the same time I I did play my first gigs and got a really great response and started getting more gigs got a manager and everything just was a lot easier on the musical front so I just dropped acting at that point and focused on music first gig was in Newcastle older sister Carla her friend's brother set it up and it was in like an old RSL club or something I played with this guy called Ryan Jordan and he played a bunch of, he played a few of his own songs which were really good and he also did a Smiths cover and a Johnny Cash cover and for some reason that night is really sticks in my memory really clearly. I'm still in touch with that guy that I played my first gig with and I ended up getting into the Smiths. I had these weird things happening where like I had heard the week before the Smiths song There Is A Light and It Never Goes Out. They didn't back announce it, they just played it. And I was like, what is this song? These lyrics are amazing. And then the week later I played my first gig and Ryan covered that song. It just felt like all these weird, fateful, magical uh, music things were happening for me. I was becoming aware of lyrics when I hadn't previously thought too much about them. I was getting into Darren Hanlon and Candle Records bands at the same time, becoming a real student of songwriting and lyrics at that time and my booking agent I would 
harass him every week and be like, please get me on gigs supporting bands from Candle. Mm. Which included the Lucksmiths. Yeah, and Lucksmiths, Jody Phyllis, yep. the Mabels. What was your first record? First one that I bought. Mm. It was probably like Richard Marks or Rick Price. Richard Marks, I think, or Julian Lennon. Like I was really into power ballads, like men singing ballads, like love songs. So Have you broken down why that was? Do you know what it was doing <laughs> to you? Don't know. I don't think there were other young girls listening to that much AOR. I think I just liked singing along. I just liked their voices. And those kind of songs usually have really good middle eights and key changes. And salt water, just general stuff like that, really. Yeah. Just oh, salt water. It was a, just a tearjerker, wasn't it? What's your take on the Beatles? Beatles, Rolling Stone, where does it sit? Oh, well, I like playing this game with people called The Good Son. You know the, the movie The Good Son starring Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin? And the last scene of the movie, they're both hanging over the edge of the cliff after a, uh, a bit of a fight. And Macaulay's like an evil child throughout the whole film. The mum has a boy's hands, like one kid on each hand, and she's got to let go of one to save the other. And so that's a game I like to play. She drops Macaulay because he's... I like to play that game with bands like that, like that you have to pick a side on, Rolling Stones or the Beatles. You can only... you got to let go of one. You need both hands to save the other. Once you drop, you can only ever hear their songs in your head. You can never hear them again. And I would choose the Beatles. And I think they had a lot less misogynistic lyrics than the Rolling Stones. But I like to play that game. Smiths or The Cure... Bruce Springsteen or... Ooh, Smiths um, or The Cure? Yeah, I dropped The Cure. Which album got you through your teens? Uh, Nirvana. I was a really big Nirvana fan, so probably In Utero. But I was obsessed. I bought. I would go into bookshops and like try and find books that had photos that I hadn't seen before and buy them purely on that. It's just terrible books, like just junk. But if there was a photo I hadn't seen before, then I would buy it. Where do you write the songs? I write them in my bedroom. Although this album, I spent three weeks in a songwriting residency in Bundanon near Nowra, New South Wales. I applied to remove myself from Melbourne so that I could just get it done because it it normally takes me six months to write an album when I have a part-time job. The last two jobs I've had have been three-day-a-week jobs and then I would spend two days a week over six months writing an album. And that's the same way I made Amateur Hour when I was making my web series. Just like clock on for those two days to your creative task, clock off, go do your other job and really compartmentalise your life. But I now have a full-time job and I needed to, and a relationship and no time to do solid writing. So I just decided if I took three weeks away from the job and away from my life, then I would get it done. But Mm -hmm. as it turned out, I got half the album done there and then I spent three months in Melbourne finishing it the editing process of the songwriting is it heavy is it soft or do you just roll with whatever's written uh no I do a lot of editing some songs just write themselves and don't need editing but more often than not process I did with this one because I knew I only had three weeks to write I would start writing pursue an idea for a while if I liked it I'd try and get to the point where I had a verse and a chorus Mm -hmm. And then I'd be like, cool, I'll come back to that. That's the beginnings of a good song. And then I'd move on to the next idea, verse and the chorus. Cool, happy with that. If I got stuck on something, 
I'd either abandon it or just keep coming back to it over the course of the week. Once I got back to Melbourne and I needed to finish them off, then it's just a longer process of like, what am I trying to say in these lyrics? Sometimes I'm, tr- I'm saying several things and, and I need to like write it out and look at it and see if it makes sense to someone that doesn't know all the things that have gone into, see if there's some kind of narrative in there that you can follow. I try to anyway. You are actually the brainchild of the Amateur Hour. For those international or maybe even Australia who didn't get a chance to see it and they can see it online, can you give us that synopsis and idea so we can have a chat regarding what the Amateur Hour was about and is about and why the passion and focus for? It's a web series that's a variety show without an audience, like without a live audience. Each episode goes for half an hour and it's bookended by live music. Usually there's an emerging band, lesser known, and a more established artist as well to give, you know, expose each person in different ways, give them a chance to make some content that they could use to promote their band or whatever. And then there's comedy skits. I'd always wanted to do comedy and, yeah, dropped it when I started playing music and I thought it would be a good opportunity to make comedy again. I feel like Australia doesn't have any good comedy, like besides our stand-up comedians we've got a few good ones I really like Zoe Coombs Maher and I really like Hannah Gadsby but we don't have any good like skit shows like that existed in the 90s and we don't have anything like Broad City or just cool comedy that you know Curb Your Enthusiasm Arrested Development there's so many good shows in America I just wanted to make some good comedy you also had a pretty good team behind you as well. One of them, Laura Jean, who's just released an album called Devotion as well, which is on high rotation in many circles. What's the sense of community? I didn't have a budget to make the show and mm-hmm. I'd never made TV show before. So I just did a call out, post on my personal Facebook, hey everyone, I'm thinking about making a TV show over the Christmas break. I think I want it to be kind of like a cross between Wayne's World and Recovery um, and Saturday Night Live. Does anyone want to help me? I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm definitely going to do something. And a whole bunch of people put their hands up and ranging from people that like are publicists or this. And then I put it on my music page too. And a girl put her hand up who was studying film. She wanted to do the boom. I hadn't even considered that I would need a boom mic. Pitched to a, a friend's friend to, to film it. He came on board. It just grew from there. We did a big launch. Everyone donated their time. There were about 50 volunteers into that went into the making of it and all the venues that we filmed in, because there was a different venue for each episode, they just let us in for free to film. And then season two, we raised $50,000, so we went from zero to 50K budget, uh, and that was through government grants and crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Generous people donate money. So you can still have a look at it as well. Yeah, amateurhour.tv. You're just about to go in and do your DJ set very soon. What's your go-to? What's the one you put on that's pretty much guaranteed that you enjoy putting on that, that gets the crowd going? Return of the Mac is pretty good. I play a decent amount of 90s hip-hop and R&B. I also really love Roxette, but I don't think anyone else enjoys Roxette. It's just me. Like, whenever I put Roxette on, I have a good time, but not sure the crowd do. So you put on the joy but ride, when you, yeah. but they don't respond, do they? They don't respond because they're idiots. I, yeah, I know. I had the same experience. Yeah. Love Roxette. But Return of the Mac, is, it starts with this, I'm on it. And as soon as it comes on, people are like, yeah. 
So that's a good one. End of the night song? I've been playing Hold On by Wilson Phillips. And before that, my previous end of the night song was um, Nothing's gonna stop us now. And sometimes Hey Good Looking by Hank Williams. If I see people that look like they're going to hook up, I make it really uh, uncomfortable for them by making it blatant. Laura Imbruglia, thank you very much for joining Radio Notes. Thanks for having me. Laura Imbruglia. Scared of You is their latest album. Find them online at lauraumbruglia.com. Amateur Hour web series can be viewed at amateurhour.tv. Coming up in the next two episodes of Radio Notes, we'll hear from Tillman Robinson, who's a composer, performer, based in Melbourne, Australia, and dive in the archives for a chat that's never been aired from Felicity Ward. Radio Notes Discoveries. June Lowe. This outfit have released a brand new mini album back on March the 21st. They are from Brisbane, Australia. I have been meaning to mention them to you for a little while now, and I've been dipping in and out of their tunes for a number of years. I've been releasing music. I will give you some details in the show notes. June Lowe are one of the acts that have come across my desk in the last month I want to share with you before I go. Thanks to Laura Imbruglia. Our feature guest, and also the artiste behind a charcoal sketch of a seat, which is hanging from my wall as I speak. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 